The Honest Mom Project. Acknowledge your feelings, break free from expectations, build your beautiful life as a mother is now available wherever you can find books. But let's face it, most of us are on Amazon, so that link is in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy this book. Share it with those that you love. It is short. Each chapter is broken up into little segments, so super easy to read, super easy to put down, pick back up a week later. And you can stick that book in the diaper bag, in your purse, right next to your bedside, and share it with those that you love. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you for your support of the book, and have a great day, moms. Listen carefully. You need to understand something that parents these days have long since forgot, and are going to have to relearn again. Your grandparents knew this, but today's generation of parents doesn't seem to. And that is, you do not get to design your children. Nature would never have permitted that to happen. Evolution would not have allowed a generation of a species to be so influenced by the previous generation. It hasn't happened, and it doesn't happen, and it especially doesn't happen in children. You do not design your children. And yet we have the Mozart effect, the belief that if I play classical music to my uterus when I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a genius. The fact that if I can just put enough crib toys over his crib, he's going to have all these neurons exploding with synapses and be a brilliant mathematician. You don't get that degree of power. Does that mean stimulation doesn't matter? No, it means a stimulation environment is better than a deprived environment. But it doesn't mean that the more stimulation you add into the environment, the better it gets. It's a threshold. There is enough stimulation that every normal brain needs to develop. And once you're past that, which 98% of you are, the rest of it is out of your hands. But this idea that if a little bit is good, a ton of it must be better is a uniquely North American perspective. Believe me, the French don't look as kindly on their children as we do. Uh, That's another story for another day. (laughs) So what we have learned in the last 20 years of research in neuroimaging, behavior genetics, developmental psychology, neuropsychology can be boiled down to this phrase. Your child is born with more than 400 psychological traits that will emerge as they mature, and they have nothing to do with you. So the idea that you are going to engineer personalities and IQ and academic achievement skills and all these other things just isn't true. Your child is not a blank slate on which you get to write. If you would like to read more about this, please read Steven Pinker's book, The Blank Slate, which is a review of all of this information for parents and why it isn't true. The better view is that your child is a genetic mosaic of your extended family, which means this is a unique combination of the traits that run in your family line. I like the shepherd view. You are a shepherd. You don't design the sheep. The engineering view makes you responsible for for everything, everything that goes right and everything that goes wrong. This is why parents come to us with such guilt, more guilt than we've ever seen in prior generations, because parents today believe that it's all about them and what they do. And if they don't get it right, or if their child has a disability, they've done something wrong. When in fact, the opposite is true. This has nothing to do with your particular brand of parenting. So I would rather that you stop thinking yourself as an engineer and step back and say, I am a shepherd to a unique individual. Shepherds are powerful people. They pick the pastures in which the sheep will graze and develop and grow. They determine whether they're appropriately nourished. They determine whether they're protected from harm. The environment is important, but it doesn't design the sheep. No shepherd is going to turn a sheep into a dog. Ain't going to happen. And that is what we see parents trying to do all the time, and especially parents of children with disabilities. So step back and view yourself as the shepherd to this disabled youngster, and you get to design the pasture. And that's very important, but you don't engineer the sheep. Now, that comes with it a profoundly freeing view of parenting, because what it means is, although it's important to be a shepherd, recognizing that this is a unique individual before you allows you to enjoy the show, right? So open a bottle of Chardonnay, kick off your slippers, sit back and watch what takes place, right? Because you don't get to determine this, right? So enjoy it. It doesn't last all that long anyway. They're gone before you know it, right? But if you think that what you did in your house is going to shape the life course of this individual, you are sadly mistaken. This is a unique individual. Let them grow. Let them prosper. Please design appropriate environments around them. But you don't get to design them. As Judy Harris said in 1996 in the first book on this subject written for lay people, the book is called The Nurture Assumption. As she said, you had more to do with your child's life by where you chose to live than by anything you will ever do inside that home. Short of abuse, neglect, or malnutrition, the rest of it is just trivial variation. It's where you live. Why? Because out-of-home influences are more powerful in shaping the life course of your child 
than in-home influences are. And those out-of-home influences are peer groups, other adults, neighborhoods, resources, schools, and the larger community that you made available to this child. That is how you shape your child's life course. The second biggest influence is also out of your hands, and that's genetics. And you don't get to determine that. But if you think parenting is so influential, let me give you two findings that have been replicated many times. When we follow up twins, we are able to calculate how much of their behavior is due to parenting within family environment. And here's what we find. The peak years of parental influence are below seven. From seven on to 12, it drops dramatically. After 15, it's 6%. 6% of the variation in a teenager's behavior is how their parents raise them. That's it. And after age 21, it's zero. There is no influence of parenting on any psychological trait after the age of 21. Now, do not mistake what I am saying. The knowledge your child possesses, what they know is clearly a function of exposure in the environment. But their traits, their abilities, their makeup, their personality is not. Hello, moms. Welcome back to the Honest Mom Podcast. Michelle here with another um, guest episode. I have two amazing women that I am so proud to have in my life. They're hysterical, they're honest, they're real, and I'm just so honored that they're both here. We're going to be talking about parenting teens and the anxieties that can come from every end of this. I just keep hearing this come up more and more. And I have a lot of friends that have parents with teens. So I just feel like this is something important to put out to the world with some real moms. So I'm here to introduce you to Lindy and Kirsten. I'm going to have you both take the mic, take the floor and introduce yourselves to the audience and tell us about uh, your children, introduce your children and where you're at with your motherhood with them. Sounds good. You go. Oh, okay. I'll go. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, so I have two daughters and one of my daughters is 19. She'll be 20 soon. And my other daughter is 16. So, um, and I have two pets that I kind of kids to, but um, yeah, so I'm a, a mom of two girls. Great. And then Lindy, tell us about your, your, yourself and your kids. I have two kids, um, 16, Kellen, and Ella is 18, which is crazy. I feel old. Um, and then my favorite child is Otis. He's the dog. <laughs> we all have our favorite child. That's what I tell the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So why before I, I have a gut feeling that I need to pull the mom card drawing at the end of the episode. So a remind me B um, we're just going to move on to why you both suggested this topic. It seemed like it, you know, it was something that you both felt was important. Um, Lindy, do you want to tell us why you wanted to talk about this parenting teens and just this, the feelings that can go behind the stage of parenting? Yeah. Well, first it's like, sometimes I'm, I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> my, my kids were just five and seven and now they're 18 and 16. And when people ask me how old my kids are, I can't even believe it. I can't believe I'm a mom to a kid that is going to college. Yeah. Um, and it's just crazy because like when they're little, it, you, you're in charge of everything, right? And you control their safety and well, you try to at least, um, but as teens, like for example, Ella just had prom and it's like a weekend extravaganza and they went to this like prom house in Dixon, Illinois, which they drove out into the country and hung out with 45, 18 year olds. And I'm like, just trying not to think about it. It's just scary because with little ones, you can, you know, you can control their safety somewhat, but with, with when they're 18 years old and they're out in this prom house, you're like, dear Lord, don't go on that four-wheeler. Please don't go on that four-wheeler that comes in that house. Wait, yeah. wait, did someone call this, like, is this an Airbnb and it's called yes. the prom house? Yes. Well, they named it the prom house. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so they rented an, an Airbnb and, and yes. named it the prom house. Okay. And someone rented it to them. Just think about that. <laughs> like someone, one of the kids rented it, not even a parent. So they trusted these 18 year olds, but all is well. She's home now. So yeah. She's, she's okay. It's fine. over. It's yeah. She made it home. Oh my. Even if it was the Playboy mansion, whatever. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Dumpy Playboy mansion in Dixon, Illinois. Dixon. Yes. I used to drive through Dixon on the way to University of Iowa. I know it well. This is when <laughs> you like think like, okay, you've spent all this time teaching your children the right choices and making, you know, healthy choices for themselves. And 
that's the probably the hardest part about being well one of the hardest parts about being a mom of a of teenagers is that then you send them out into the world and you hope that they're making wise healthy choices for themselves <laughs> at the prom house right at the prom <laughs> house oh my god you guys we should go to the prom house like no, yeah i mean i guess the prom i mean we have a blast at the prom house <laughs> oh my gosh you guys this is scary because i don't know i don't know how you grew up what choices you made when you were 16 18 19 whatever but if i went to a prom house like you know yeah, I, I'm just going to say that, but you know, that's what I think about with college, like Lindy, like you're going to, you're going to be going through that. Of, I remember my mom telling me, you know, like when I was like, how did you just like drop me off and not like freak out? And she's like, I had to just, you know, of course I freaked out, but I had to realize I did what I could do. And it was just, how yeah. to let you go. Yeah. Well, and also I was like the worst kid ever in high school and my mom is like, she was talking about, I was talking about this prom house. And I'm like, I just know too much. Like, I know exactly what occurred. Like, but she's a way better kid than I was like, because maybe she can't get away with stuff. I don't know. I don't know why she's, she's a good kid, but she has a good kid. I, I try my best, but I was not a good kid. Wait, Kirsten, what about you? Were you, um, I was not, I mean, I made bad choices too. So my husband and I, we went I to learned school. the school. Yeah. <laughs> and then went above that. And then I, I overachieved. She, she overachieved. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I went to high school together. We didn't date in high school, but um, after high school, we always talk about that. We're like, how do we have such good kids? Because <laughs> we did not make the, the same choices. I mean, in high school, we were doing, you know, doing stuff and our kids are pretty good and they make pretty good decisions as far as we know. We don't know. Um, everything yeah. Either. Yeah. And that's good. We don't really want to know everything. I think living in this world is hard for parents because we do have access to a lot of things. I mean, you could watch Life 360 or your, your, um, iPhone and find my phone and watch them all day long if you wanted to, but like kids need some independence too. And if you raise them and teach them the values, you hope that they continue to make good choices. Do you feel it gives you more anxiety to know or have the ability to know, or just to kind of be like, you know, like, it sounds like you both kind of have let go a little bit and let them be independent. Yeah, it's a hard balance, I would say. It's a really hard balance. And I remember like when Life 360 first came out, it was like a couple of years ago, right? Like I had friends who like were watching their kids like constantly. I'd be out to dinner and it would be on the table and they'd be watching it. And I was like, I I just couldn't be that mom. And it was probably because our mom wasn't like that. Like our mom is super chill <laughs> to this day. We, <laughs> you're shocked. Our brother turned out pretty good. I mean, he, he, hey, he made I good choices as far as you know. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, but like she was super chill. So whenever, like, I feel like whenever I get overworked on something, then I remind myself and my husband, I, my husband's really good about reminding me too. like, we need to relax back off. But like, I've never been that helicopter mom, which I've watched my phone, which is, it's really hard to do. It's hard to find the balance. Yeah. I like it because I don't, I don't watch it all the time. I only watch it when they're driving around at night and yeah, I want to know safety. like, yeah, because it, it, and I even told Ella, I said, well, we'll take life 360. When you go to college, you don't need it. She goes, no, I want it because what if something happened? Like what if some, someone puts a drink or a drug on my you drink or whatever, you know what I mean? Heart. Yeah. She's like, I want it. I want you to know where I'm at. So mm. I won't be checking it all the time, but I feel like it eases my anxiety. I, I don't know how our parents did it. It's like, we just True. left. <laughs> yeah. We were had no idea. <laughs> no, I think they were happy about it though. They're like, see you later. <laughs> don't come back for seven hours. Yeah. And I don't think I'm that much. I'm going to be 47. I don't think I'm that, I, I don't know how old you are if I'm dating myself, but I saw an Instagram post. It was someone reposting a meme that some kid wrote. I think he like, he was in his like twenties about don't mess with people that are over 40 and the, whoever it was, let's say it's a, he, he wrote like all these things that like people over 40, like what they dealt with growing up and like how they're like badass and because, yeah. you know, and it was stuff like, you know, you just like your parents just let you go and you came home and it was dark and they had no idea where you were. You drove your bikes like clear across towns. No one knew where you were. And it was all these other things too. And the comments were hysterical from people. 
because the amount of kidnapping attempts that people were noting, like I, yeah, and I had a kidnapping attempt. So did I. And then I did like at all these things. I knew how to cook when I was like eight. I knew how to do this. Like my parents had no, like parents had no idea. Yeah. It, it, it mine did. And it was kind of like, go come back alive when I turn the light on. Right. Yeah. I'm the same age as you. So yeah, it was definitely like that. You know, especially like as te- I'm like, I just don't know how they did it as teenagers because like even just having not even like life through 60, but cell phones. Yeah. Like I, I do get annoyed with my kids that they don't pick up their cell phone because I'm like, you have a phone for a reason. Yeah. You'll pick up this phone. Yeah. <laughs> you need to answer your mother. Cause then I worry, but they're pretty good about texting and stuff. I'm like, how did our parents do it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's better that w- they that we don't know everything, like you said, kind of yeah. to your point, because yeah. You know, I I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I'm actually pretty grateful that I did what I did. I mean, you know, I I was probably fairly normal. I'm making myself out to be like this crazy hoodlum, but I I learned stuff the hard way. Um, You know, I, I actually dodged a lot of bullets, I will say too. Like you sit there and you're like, how did I not like die that night or like I'd walk <laughs> home from college like at three in the morning from after hours yeah. and I'm like how was I not like kidnapped in an alley like yeah. it was luck you know and but I look back and I'm like you know I just learned valuable lessons I don't know if that's better than sheltering yourself from everything that can possibly happen like I want my daughter to go to sorority parties and go to the bars and do things that I did, you know, I don't want to know everything, but I want her to, you know, have a good head on her shoulders. Hopefully. I don't know. I I, I'm grateful that I had fun and have some good stories behind me, basically. I agree. They they need to do that. Yeah. You know, it needs to happen. It's just part of, it's part of growing and making mistakes. I mean, Ella snuck out of the house once and when she was 14 and the cops called me at two in the morning. And so, you know, she didn't, she didn't do it again. <laughs> so she learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm not so worried about like the partying and stuff like, you know, and having, I'm just worried about other people. Like I trust like, you know, my daughter and hopefully the decisions she makes, some experimentation she may do, but I'm just worried about the world around us. And, you know, and that gives me anxiety is, you know, her being on her own and not in being in uncontrollable situations. Like, yeah, I, how do you two deal with that? I, I, that was like, it, it, that's so true. Like I trust my children. I, you know, I think they make really good choices and, um, you know, it's, it's sad because you don't know like when they're out in the world and like what's around them. I know we were up in Wisconsin visiting my nephew at his, um, his school. And I had my older daughter, Madeline, and one of her friends had come out with us and we went out to it, it, in uh, Wisconsin, you kids can drink if they're with their parents. And so we went out to dinner and Is it we Europe. Were, yeah, I know. I Wisconsin is only Wisconsin. I think I don't think anywhere else. So, you know, they're, they're almost 20. And so um, we were at like a bar and we were sitting at the bar and one of Malin's friends was at the end and I was standing there and she was standing over, she was holding her drink and she had her thumb over her drink. And this is like, you know, like, um, a small school in Wisconsin. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, we, we always cover our drinks. Well, she went to university of Michigan and she said there it's like, it's common that girls drinks were, were roofied. And so they all carried their drinks that way. And it just made me so sad that these kids like, yeah, I mean, I, w- I went to Illinois state, which is a pretty big school. And like, I don't ever were, I didn't ever worry about that. I mean, yeah, that was I just like common. Know. Right. But definitely not. She said it was just like, everybody did that. And it just made me sad. Well, they can buy Ella. Cause I had that conversation with Ella too. They, and it is the world they live in. They can buy a hair tie with a clear cover that goes over the cup. So it's like a, it's like a plastic cover. Yeah. They set their drink down. Someone can't put a drink or drugs in their drink. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It is really, so those scary. are the things that like you think about like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about uh, yeah. this with my kids yeah. before they go to college or, yeah. you know, like I worry more about that. Like what other people can do to my children than yeah. what, you know, worry about my own children making bad decisions. I think especially having girls, I mean, yeah. I have a girl and a boy, but yeah, let's be real. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I'm more worried having a girl. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's interesting. I, so I went to Iowa, uh, 94 was my first year. And so my mom, even back then she told, you know, she told me, she's like, 
if you put your drink down, get enough, like, in, in, like, look away, whatever, get another drink. She was, she was educating me on that. And I, you know, and I, I asked her and she was, she would tell me stories about, she went to Western and, you know, college back then what happened. So I'm glad she, that my mom was honest with me. Cause it did make me more aware, you know, yeah, I would get another drink. I think it goes with that, like regardless, being a hundred percent honest yeah. with your kids because as a parent, because I mean, that, that's just how I parent. Like, I mean, I had a conversation with my son cause he has a girlfriend. I was like, you know, if a girl says no, it means no, like, uh, uh, you know, he was really uncomfortable with the conversation, but I'm like, it's an honest conversation that you need to have with your children because you know, it's a real, that could happen or whatever, you know, and honestly, I, I just can't sugarcoat things with my kids. You know, you have to have those real conversations about the world around them, because what, what if they go to college and you haven't, you talked to them about some right. of these things. So some of these kids are going to college and don't have any idea. Yeah. That'd How about you, Kirsten? Do you feel the same with, are you comfortable with your kids talking about yeah. Yeah, I think we parent pretty pretty similarly. And it's our- interesting because I don't think that our mom was that way. Like she no. didn't have like no. I don't think we ever talked about sex. Or no, never had that conversation. Anything like that. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I joke that my sex talk was like, oh, there's fallopian tubes and an egg travels down. Like, and that was kind of it. And like, bang, bang, you're married. You know, that's but that yeah, we didn't have the like the conversation. That's why, like when I went to college and my mom gave me just some safety you know, kind of things. It was, you know, I appreciate it, but yeah, we, we didn't have very intimate conversations about this stuff. Yeah. And- I remember, I remember when my, when I was, when I got my period, like I hadn't even talked to mom about no. my period. And I was, we were in, um, we were in Walt Disney world and I put a ton of oh, uh, toilet paper in my underwear water on hundred degrees. <laughs> I'm like, mom, like now, you know, so like, that was one of the things that stuck in my head. I'm like, I'm going to have these conversations with my kids. I need them to know I got all, you know, I had to make sure I like they packed up stuff in their backpacks so that they had it like was prepared. And I mean, our mom's awesome. She does a lot of things. Awesome. But I just remember like not being prepared. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. They do their best seriously. And I think it was just a different time. You know, you just didn't have, you know, you had the sex talk at 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 school in fifth grade, you know, and separating the rooms. And then it was kind of like, that's it. And just, yeah. I mean, I remember getting put on the pill for my cramps, but my mom not having a conversation about, you know, sexual, you know, being safe about sex, you know, which I'm not, you know, like you guys we're I'm not mad at my mom or I'm not. No, it's just different. It's yeah. just different. And I feel bad, you know, because it's like, I I'm sure they would, they, they wanted the best for us and it was just uncomfortable probably. Yeah. Or maybe they just didn't think like we wanted to know or whatever, you know, I, I have no idea, but do you now, so I constantly <laughs> talk on this podcast about how, so I'm only up to 10 years old right now, but I constantly refer to the infancy and toddler stage as being like, oh my God, like the depths of hell for me, it, meaning in the sense of being very hard. Yeah. yeah. And I keep being told by my friends who now have kids in high school, cause I'm, I had Brooklyn older and they're like, Michelle, it does, first of all, it doesn't get easier. And they're like, I think this is like the hardest time we've had. And I'm like, really? I would say that every, I would say that there's like a trade-off of like hard, you know, like things physically become easier than when you're a toddler. Like, I don't, I don't know. I look at moms now that have little toddlers and I just, am exhausted looking at them, but emotionally and with anxiety and just stress for like having your kids like make good choices right and like you know um like wanting them to to do well that becomes harder I think and that is just like sometimes I find that like I have more sleepless nights I think as a as a mom of a teenagers than I did as a because you know when they're little like you have like Lindy said you have control over most everything in their world by what they eat what they wear especially when they're little and then as they get older, that independence continues to grow. And by high school, you're, they're pretty much flying on their own, especially like really, I think the cut, the line was when they got their license. Yeah. Once they get their license, you know, like moms, the one thing, like enjoy when you te- you're teaching them to drive. It's the best, like you're in there, just the two of you. You're just, yeah. Like I had the best conversations yeah. once they were good at driving. <laughs> the first couple months were pretty rough, but um, you know, like, just like, 
because once they get their license, they just want that independence. And that's home. great. You, you've prepared them for it, but yeah, they're never home. You don't ever see, you don't see them as much. <laughs> I make that face because I have the worst like backseat driver anxiety. My husband yeah. drives him crazy. And I'm that like, <gasps> you know, person. And he's like, I'm the one who's going to have to teach her yeah. how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he can teach her. And then once she starts to get good and you, she's just okay. hours in, then you could do like the, I'm with you. And you know, where we had, it was, yeah, I enjoyed that. Time. Oh, that's, that's sweet. I've actually never heard that before. Um, and I think that would be, yes, definitely very, a very They're special time. Yeah. They're trapped, trapped in the car and you can and you set <laughs> rules. I set rules with my girls and said, you know, you don't argue with me. If I tell you to stop, you stop, we don't argue or we go home. And so we, you know, yeah. we always have really good conversations. <laughs> I think I, I have to say, I feel like I, I call my thirties like the lost years because I didn't feel like myself. Like I, that's why your book resonated with me so well is because everything you were saying, it was like, that's how I felt. It was so nice. I wish I would have had it, you know, when my kids were little, because it was so hard for me. I felt like I lost my identity when they were little. And now I feel like I have it back. Mm, like when they like around Brooklyn's age, around that age, I started to feel like, okay, well I can leave the house and I can go over to the store and they can watch themselves for an hour yeah. or whatever. And now it's like, I can go to Spanga at 4.30 and be home at 5.30 and nobody cares. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's kind of sad too, but I'm, it's nice because I have so much independence and I love my kids, but I also like to feel like myself. So I really enjoy the teenage stage. It's one of my favorites. I think it's scary, but um, I like it. You know, one of the things I think is so important too, that you say that because like, I feel like a lot of moms a lot of us lose ourselves and our kids. And so our lives become what our kids' lives are. And so, but then as they get older, you realize like, if you've built that, then when they don't need you anymore, then, then it's hard to find that again. And, sure. and then that, you know, like, I think sometimes that's really hard and it complicates your older kids' lives. If you're still trying to hold on to like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so your own life, mm -hmm. your own interests and stuff. And um, yeah, otherwise I can't even imagine this stage. Like I have a friend who's like her last kid is going to college and she's just a rocket. Whereas I'm like, I mean, I'm sad that she's going yeah. to school, but I'm super excited for her. Cause I know how awesome college was and met my best friends there and my husband. And I'm so happy for her, you know, like I'm sad for me, but I'm happy for her. And I don't know. I really like the teenage stage. I feel like people like tell horror stories about it and I'm like yeah there's some hard stuff but there's really hard stuff when they're little too yeah true. like you said it just changes yeah yeah I thought this woman I met gosh Brooklyn was definitely like earlier than three years old I met her through a networking group and she told, it was like when my book was kind of just starting in my head you know and we were having a conversation and she said she's like I enjoy her kids were in college and she's like, I enjoyed the teenage years. That's when I really started enjoying being a mother and felt super connected to my kids. And in my head, I'm like, wow, that's like a long time. <laughs> like, you know, I, I kind of, I felt like it was strange initially yeah. hearing that and kind of like, are, were you like this cold, like lifeless woman that didn't like, and then now, now though, I totally get what she's saying. I wish I could see her and be like, you're, you're right. Cause I can see that happening. Um, I see so many good kids out there and so many great relationships with their parents, with, you know, the anxieties we'll talk about more of, but that's, I think with any relationship in any stage of parenting, it's just different at, you know, different stages. Yeah. But it's really cool hopeless. to see them like grow up and start making choices for themselves. And, you know, like my daughter's going off, well, she's, she's been at college, but she, came back because of anxiety. She ended up at Illinois state and then came back and now she's leaving to go Northern. And, um, it's like fun to see her like anxious, like happy about like her choices and excited about her apartment. And so it is, it's so fun to see that. And they, yeah, they're like little people now and yeah, so enjoyable. Yeah. Relationships really important to have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, like the communication and just, you know, it's fun to see. So there were some challenges. I, I I was just reading some mom blogs out there and some of the challenges that people had talked about when it comes to 
raising, um, you know, teenagers mood swings was one of them. Do you experience any of that or have experienced that? And how did that uh, affect you? The mood swings with us or with our children, with our children? Both, I guess. <laughs> no, mostly with the children, like just being like, I don't know what's, you know what I mean? Like very just, yeah. I think, I don't know about you, but for both of my children and no one can tell me that boys don't have mood swings because he's worse than she was. <laughs> um, is sophomore year when they're 15. Yeah, for sure. And Ella was going through the COVID stuff then, but Kellen is not, and he's a sophomore. And it's like, man, yeah, yeah, it's really hard because you just want to you know yeah. strangle them because they're so moody. And then I felt like there was a change like mid-junior year, end of yeah, junior they year. They just, they're kind of like mini adults, you yeah. know, in many ways, still children too, little children. But yeah, mood swings for sure. That was like you know how when they're toddlers, I thought four, three was horrible. Oh, three was two terrible. Was, like terrible twos. No, it was like the no, terrible threes. threes. It was the threes. Fall, and then 15. Yeah. Is the age yeah. for teenagers. I don't know. That's my kid's age where it's so like, excited. Lord hormones or whatever is happening. I don't yeah. Know. No, mine's the same. Pop, my husband and I have that conversation almost daily. Like we look at each other sometimes like Marley is my younger one. She's 16 and like, she'll look at you like she gets annoyed the, by the way we chew or I mean breathe. it's like everything and it's like we're like oh we are the worst people in the world we're, we're disgusting <laughs> like, like, but yeah it's, like you're it's so pretty brutal embarrassing. <laughs> how does it affect you personally when your I, children I honestly it's like you wouldn't think you would care but it hurts my feelings sometimes like sometimes I just laugh and sometimes I'm like what what do anything like why are you so I am. like I'm cool mom I know you gotta be lucky to have me and sometimes I don't care but I it, I think it reminds me of like how like I felt with my mom That's and we, both of us had really good relationships with our mom we love our mom I mean we see her all the time talk to her all the time but like as a and my, my mom used to always say that like as a teenager, they shut the door. You don't see them for four or five years. And then they come out and then they want to hang out with you and they love you and think you're great again. And she's, so she always reminds me of That's that. True. And I'm like, oh, you're so true. So I remind myself of that now. Like, okay, we're just in a stage. She'll come out of it and, and she'll, you know, and need me again. So. Or I laugh. I'm like, yeah, we either laugh or because my <laughs> son, we talk every, she and I talk every morning. I okay. Know. As I say, you yeah. guys probably t- you oh, yeah. know, use each other raised by committee. My mom calls it. Yes. That's true. And our, t- our younger ones are only two and a, like three months apart. So, you know, they've like grown up together. And so, yeah, we, we share, we're like therapy for each other in the mornings <laughs> before work. Oh my God. Bless her. Yes, exactly. I mean, cause that's one of the things I talk about is like being alone and like thinking you could do it alone in these teen years. I think, you know, we need each other just yeah. to bounce things off and, and be like, Oh, I dealt with it myself. And just to know you're not alone, you know, just to communicate that. Okay. So speaking of communicate, that was another challenge people said is the world of communication. Like what's too much. How are you, are you annoying them? Like what's the what are the right ways to communicate with kids nowadays? Like, what are they looking for? Especially with these phones and the way they communicate with each other. Like, yeah, communication is like the bond of relationships. So what are we supposed to do here with these? I, I find that like, for me, what works for my kids, I think it depends on your kids, but the more I push, the more they push back. So I find that like when I let them come to me when they're ready to talk, which is really hard sometimes because you have to be really patient um, because I'm one of those people that like, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. We need to talk about this right now. Um, but luckily I have a husband that really counterbalances me really well. And he will remind me like, you need to give them space. You need to give them time. And so we kind of help each other with, with things. Um, but yeah, like that works really well f- for my girls is that like when they're ready to talk and I've built that relationship with them that they usually do come. I mean, there's been times where we've had to like say, Hey, we need to sit down. It's time for us to talk. We've waited it out long enough, but for the most part, like if you wait long enough, they're usually, they usually come around. I'm like that too. Like I want to solve it right away. Maybe that's a teacher in me. I'm not sure. But, um, mm-hmm. and then I push and Jeremy, my husband too, will be like, Lindy, just chill. <laughs> so it's nice to have someone to kind of balance your personality out a little bit. Um, and then as far as them communicating with each other, they use, which I don't love, they use Snapchat. Like that's the one I, yeah. love. I didn't even know that was still around. Oh yeah. That's, they, so don't, that's they don't do any, they Snapchat each other. Yeah. Everything's Snapchat. That's um, what I've heard. Okay. Yeah. But I think it's so important too to, like, if we go to dinner or whatever, 
we're not great about having family meals because my kids are never home. But um, if we do dinner, we go out and go to dinner or something like phones are away. Or if we're at the table, no phones, we have to talk and communicate because otherwise they'll be looking at their phones. Yeah, that's what we do. We do dinners almost every night and it's just work now because sports are kind of, it's quiet for us right now, but like we try to do dinners at least, at least four or five times a week. That's awesome. I wish we yeah. It's, or not. I mean, depends on the jobs and whatever, but that's yeah. so important to, if, if, you know, if anytime you can find some time, if it's in the morning or if it's in the evening or something, my kids tend to want to come talk to me at like 1030 yeah, when I'm so ready to go to bed. I'm like, okay, I guess yeah. is that, and then they'll come in and want to chat, which, you know, like, mom, are you awake? I'm like, I've been sleeping for like an hour, <laughs> but yeah, no, no come on in, come on in, come on in. Cause you can't, there's no way I would say no to that. Yeah. Sure. Well, did you find like when your children were younger, I found this with Brooklyn and kind of still now is when I would put her to bed and sometimes I would lay with her, you know, of course like fall asleep. Cause she, yeah. you know, you know, and that was when she would just be like, blah, 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 you know, and about her day and everything. Like when she got in the car, you know, from me picking her up, she was like done, you know, yeah, she did not yeah. want to talk. So yeah, for sure. It, I, that has not ended for me. It's the same with me, they'd all, they always pick the nighttime when I'm most exhausted, Yeah, yeah but you know, we usually have really good talks then. So, oh, that's so great. You know, and you there's, I did an episode and it was based off of another person's episode, Zen Parenting Radio, which is amazing. They're actually in Oak Park. It's a couple. Um, and their podcast has been around for almost a decade, I think. And they were talking about this, this subject of communication and, there's people out there that my husband is one of these, and I don't know if you resonate with this and there's nothing wrong with this, but they're fixers, you know, and some people don't respond to that. Some people do, they want solutions. They want whatever. My daughter doesn't want the fixing. I'm the person that doesn't want fixing. Like I almost want just to like, let it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's that dance of getting to know your kids, like any relationship and what communication style works for them like do they need their space do they just need ears or do they want advice or you know yeah. I mean you know yeah. yourselves too like sometimes you just don't want advice you just want to get it out or you need an hour you know yeah I tend yeah. to be I tend to be a fixer but our our mom is like that even now like I'll call her my and mom is too just want to complain and then she right away jumps into like yeah. she I should be doing to fix it I'm like, and then I get frustrated. So I try to remind my, myself like sometimes, and my kids will remind me. I always tell them like, tell me if I'm like, if you're not wanting to hear this now, let me know. But like, I, I do try to remind myself, like sometimes I just need to listen and try to get them to help figure out what, and that's kind of part of what, what I do as a, in my career too. So I try to be more of a listener, but it's hard. It's hard. It is hard <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. You don't want your child oh, yeah. to be uncomfortable yeah. or hurt. Or, you know, so yeah, these, these the uncomfortable worst. discussions, you know, it's like, sometimes it's easier for someone to fix than to, you know, I get it. Like my husband doesn't want to get into the heavy emotions. Sometimes he's just like, what do we need to do? What can I do to, you know, help? And sometimes, you know, it's like, ah, you know, and it's yeah. hard for him to hear that some, that I'm hurt or my daughter's hurt, you know? And but so I get they it. Have, they have to, like, they, I have to remind myself that they have to go through that hurt. They have to like experience the not making yes. a team and they have to experience the loss of friends Sit and in it horrible mm -hmm. it's horrible but if they don't experience those things then you're prepared you're not preparing them for the future because it's going you know you're going to be let down and so like you have to you have to learn resilience and so if they have we can't fix things for them all the time yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and I think right now, especially in our world, it's that lesson is so important. Just being a teacher and yeah. seeing the lack of perseverance sometimes with kids because, and adults too, and it, but like technology, I think has created this instant, like everybody wants an instant fix because I can look something up instantly, or I don't want to, I don't want to work through that. I don't, they don't know how to sit and work through something, you know? So I think it's really important. Like you said, like, sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable and you know, that's life. You're going to yeah, have to do it's that. It's going to suck. Things. And so let's cry it out, but yeah, it's hard oh. not to really fix things. Yeah, I know. Now does social media going on, that was like the final thing um, that I was going to bring up with anxiety is just the world. 
I, my daughter doesn't have social media yet. So I'm like wondering, you hear the, I feel like you, all you do is hear the bad and I know it's not all bad, you know, let's be real, but how has social media affected, you know, your kids and you as parents, anxieties that have come up within that social media world? I, I hate it. I think it's, <laughs> that's I mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I love, I, because they always feel like they're missing out on something because mm-hmm. it's right in their face. They always think if you think about my husband, and I were talking about this, like even just them in, we're, we're, we do it right now, like posting where they're going to college in your yard. And then they're all holding their college signs at prom. And then they're instantly sharing that. And this is all this pressure. It's pressure that we didn't have growing up because I mean, I don't remember ever really even telling one of anyone I was going to Illinois state, except for my friends, you know, and then yeah, over social media and who's going where and who, who yeah, has always the, a competition. Just, yeah. And they're always really like the missing. I hate it. I feel like it's going to be our downfall. And I use social media, of course, you know, I like seeing what other people are doing and their kids and, but like that pressure on the kids so young, they don't get that. That's not the real world. What you're seeing 90% of the time is just everybody's best and not the hard stuff. So I hate it. I hate it. And this is how, like I was saying, this is how they communicate. So you can't really stop it. If they're not on Snapchat, they're not communicating with their, you know, so it's like, what do you do? I just trust that they're going to make good decisions, but it's a lot of pressure on them to have these phones in front of them all the time and seeing what everybody's doing and where everybody's at. Well, I think that as a parent as well, like I, I like have to take breaks from Facebook sometimes. Cause like, like around yeah. spring break time, oh. I'm always like, Oh, they get to go there. And wow, of course I don't get to go there. And then you like, as an adult and you know how to navigate that to say, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, like, you know, but it's hard. And when they don't have those skills as kids, like that's what they're always like, they they're never living in the present moment. They're always looking and comparing their lives to somebody else's and wanting that or wanting this. And then it's never good enough, you know? And I, I'm, I feel pretty lucky. My my kids went to, they were in Catholic school. And so it's a smaller community. And so I've been pretty lucky with like social media and like, um, like, I, I mean, there's just like a lot of stories of like you know bullying and all those sorts that's of what I want always yeah like, I always worried about that um and, and as a parent you wouldn't you don't even know unless you're having conversations with them and sometimes things don't come out until like later that this yeah. happened like, why didn't you tell me this earlier but I've been pretty lucky as a parent but I mean that is a, a big thing the kids don't really get to turn off any, any socialization, it goes 24 mm-hmm. seven yeah. and it causes a lot. I mean, I see a, a lot with my job, like, you know, like you can't turn it off when you're having a rough time and, and people are being mean to you. It's so true. You home. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you remember growing up, like if, I mean, and we, I got teased, you know, in middle school or whatever. And, you know, but you got home, you went home and you kind of just I don't know if I forgot yeah, about it, but it break. wasn't in my face. Yeah, I got a break. I had a sport yeah. or I was with my parents, you know, having dinner or whatever we were doing. And things didn't spread as fast. I yeah. mean, it's so easy. Like one little thing comes out and then everybody instantly everybody knows, knows about it. Yeah. So that's a constant worry, you know, as a parent, like, oh gosh, I don't want my kid to go through that or, you know, worry that, that they have the right friends that aren't going to tr- treat them like that. But it's like, yeah, social media is awful. <laughs> Well, and these kids have such big feelings and they, like you said, they don't know how to regulate them. Like, you know, I just think of an example today with Brooklyn, with a a challenge with a friend and something she said to her and she takes it so seriously. And it's like, you don't want to minimize and be like, oh, girlfriend, like, don't, you know what I mean? Like these feelings are big and real. They take things so personally. Like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? They don't have the 47 year old confidence or 40 confidence that we all do of like, you know, like whatever, you know, like, you know, you still kind of get hurt, but then you get, you're kind of like, whatever you, you have, you have more knowledge and maturity and experience to know people's behaviors and why they're doing it sometimes. And it's not you. Yeah. And kids are so impulsive too that. And like, yeah, it doesn't ever go away. So if a kid is impulsive and says something or does something, put something out there, it stays forever. And so that's one of the things that like, I always told my kids, like, just because you write it and you think these are your friends, like 
if you write it, it is out there. You yep, can't it'll be shared. Just, yeah. Screenshot. So the best way to have a hard conversation is face-to-face. I mean, it's really hard to say that to, mm-hmm. you know, 15 year olds, 12 yeah. year olds. <laughs> it is, it is. And hopefully they just keep it on a shelf, you know, yeah. and they'll, they'll remember yeah. when they're older, like, yeah. Oh, I'm you know, like we are with our, with our, you know, parents. All right. So I put in the beginning of this episode, um, that reel that you guys probably, I don't even know if you guys were able to open it, but it was, um, Dr. Russell Barkley. And he was talking about the world of shepherd versus engineer. And it's kind of like the carpenter versus the gardener, um, theory that some people also know of like, just how much influence we truly do have as parents. Um, Dr. Barkley, some of this stuff, I mean, it's, it, it's okay. Some of this stuff I was like, um, I don't know. Like he was saying basically after age seven, like they kind of have, your child kind of has their own thing going. Their own personality is already formed. It's like planting that seed. We can provide that environment for them, but that seed, that strawberry seed is going to become a strawberry, whatever, whether you like it or not. And you can, throw books at them and throw, you know, this at them and experiences and whatever and stimulate them. But they're going, you know, the amount of anxiety that we have as parents thinking that we're engineers versus shepherds, I just found very interesting. And I wasn't sure how you felt like there were a lot of people that, you know, disagreed somewhat, like that we do have more influence in their teen years than we think. But and then I'm like, do we like, are we there to support and nurture, but they kind of got their own thing going and they're going to be who they're going to be. I don't know. That's a lot. That's a loaded yes, gun. Is. That's a good, I think environment plays a huge role Just in somebody's life I, I, that we work with. Yeah. Together. I mean, like within my role, like I'm environment is, is so important and a nurturing environment and adults like there's a statistic somewhere and I probably should have wrote it down, but it's like, um, for a kid who has just one adult in their life, this, the chances of them succeeding, like, you know, um, multiply by, you know, with, with amount of adult supports that they have in their lives. And so I think, I mean, whether they are who they are, but I think the environment plays a, a big role in the development of a kid. Yeah, there was something in that about, and I forgot her name offhand, but she had said basically like choosing the right environment. So like the right neighborhood Mm -hmm. um, is so important versus what's inside. You know, like, of course you don't want, we're not talking about abuse, neglect in the home, but your environment, the schools, the, you know, the sports, the role models and like Mm -hmm. the neighborhood kids, all these people around how important they are versus what's like directly inside that house, that responsibility that we have and anxiety then that we can, you know, that if anything goes wrong with our kids, it's our fault, you know, and our responsibility. I don't know how you both feel about that. I mean, I think it's like a whole community, like you said, but like, yeah, I mean, just like the development of like, what is at home, not like the things that kids have that are given to them, but it's the, it's the support that they have, the love, the nurturing, all of the things that the untangible things that kids need um, in order to help them develop and, and be resilient. Like they, they need that in the supportive mm-hmm. environment of their family, of their outside, either their extended family, of their neighbors, of their friends, you know, mm-hmm. all like that the, the inner core then kind of comes out from that. And I do think like, I think that's, an, it's really interesting, the shepherd and the engineer, but like, I think of my son, like he's, he has all this, support he needs like you know he could he has two sets of grandparents that in addition to us but but like one of the things is he's like very insecure so he's afraid to like fail at something so he always wants to do something well right away and Jeremy and I have had so many conversations with him and you know I said it's okay to make mistakes like I make mistakes all the time like and I just laugh at myself and my daughter is very much similar but my son he does not like to make mistakes and my husband's not like that either. So I, it's like, he, that is who he is. And it's like ingrained in him, no matter what we do, we, we support him no matter what, but it's just like, I think of, he plays hockey. And so like, he always is a little bit timid at first, like if he's on a new team or whatever, and then he comes into his own, it's like, I can do this. I'm, you know, but it always takes him a little while, no matter what, if he's unsure about something. So it is who he is. I yeah. think I'm definitely there are parts that. of, yeah. 
can support their personality that their, their personality is like Mar my daughter Marley was I mean she's she was like that since the time she was two she's super sassy and I mean I love it I love her personality but totally my nice. husband and her sometimes butt heads but um yeah she's got like a, just a spunky personality and same thing like she's always been that way yeah yeah she was little yeah but and I kind of like the enjoy the show, like not like we're going to be completely hands off with our teens and when our kids go to college, but you know, you've done an amazing job with your kids and they're kind of like at a point where you've done a great job and you know, you're going to be there for them for definitely for many other things, but it's kind of like, yeah, like they've got their own personalities and things and they've got their goals in their head. And we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents. Yeah. And like Dr. Barkley said, you know, the amount of parents coming to him, this generation with the amount of anxiety and pressure, and I see it, I hear people talk where I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, just how much pressure they put on themselves in the schools and this and that and that and this, and it's, you know, and, and I'm like, wow, it, it, I do feel bad for the parents that they feel that much responsibility still. Yeah. It is a lot of helicopter parenting, I think too, you know? Yeah. You know what that comes from. There's, I mean, if you think back to even when we were kids, like sports, sports weren't the way they are now. Right. So like, yeah. if you're not playing a travel sport by the time you're, if your kid's not a travel sport by the time they're seven, you know, and then you feel that pressure and you're like, but what, but most of these kids aren't going pro. You should have them like focus on school rather than sports. But like, and you get all caught up in that and then anxiety of like, you want your kid to be the best or whatever. And it's just crazy to think about. It's like so silly. It's so dumb, you know? I know. I know my friends were telling me because Brooklyn has been enjoying park district volleyball. And they're like, they're like, Michelle, when she, oh. if she decides to try out in middle school, they're like, there's girls that like literally were doing things that we weren't doing when we were seniors on the varsity. That's team. crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh. Like, kind of get caught up in that some like we went through a phase with Collins hockey where we got caught up in that it's like sure like what are we doing like why are well, who are we doing this for are we doing this for us it doesn't feel that way because it's super stressful it's not good for him you know so we have to take a step back like if it's producing that anxiety it's like it's not worth it you know yeah it really matter in the long run for your kid yeah, exactly. I mean, no one's going to the major leagues, uh, most, most yeah, likely. We'll just, yeah, exactly. 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 All right. So what do you have anything to share with the audience? Any like survival resources that have helped you with the teen years? Like, do you have books that you've read or have you listened to podcasts or anything, you know, that you, and if, if you don't, if you've just learned by raising by committee and learning from each other, that's okay. But if you had something that you wanted to share, I wanted the opportunity. Or social media accounts. My resource is my sister. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> that's the way it should be. Like now we have so all these social media accounts and things, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't know how much we rely on our family anymore and how important that is, you know? Yeah. I, I would say that I like, um, one of the things that like, I, I feel like I, we always did really well is putting, like making time for things for ourselves. So like, I still am really close to some of my girlfriends from college and then some girlfriends from high school. And so like, we make it a priority to go out to dinner and meet. And so like, that is my biggest resources. We just talk about like, cause we all have kids around the same age. And so like just going out and hearing other people's stories and just supporting each other has been, that's the biggest resource for me and my mom. I mean, our mom is a huge resource for us and um, my, we have a brother. So the three of us are really close. And so just keeping the people close, our people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, like you're, you're jogging something in my brain. Um, as I finished my yoga teacher training, one of the things that um, we've been educated on is to not overload yourself with, you know, all these books and, and going on Google and like, blah, 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 blah. they're like, find a couple like masters out there and like really that resonate with you and really just kind of study them and pull from them and learn from just a few, you know, so like what you're saying, Kirsten, yeah. like you don't need 60 books. I mean, I read 60 books and they didn't help for shit when I was trying to raise my daughter, but you know, like I went to like my yeah. friends, 
and my yeah. mom. Yeah. You know, I, just, I, love I get that. overwhelmed with all of that stuff. And I, and then I can get really bogged down too, where I'm like, sure. oh my God, I should be doing that. Why am I not doing that? And then it stresses me out. Yeah. And then I'm not my best person anyway. And so I find that like, I follow my gut. I talk to my people that I trust in my life and that kind of follow your me. gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How about you, Lindy? Um, you know, I did try the Enneagram. I, I don't know if you've read that book. Um, I have not. I, I have a lot of friends who love it, but it kind of goes back to what you just said. Like it's your personalities match this number. And then it, it helps you like, it helps you ha- how to respond to people based on their personality traits, like how certain people respond. Um, I didn't love it though, but <laughs> a lot of people do. A lot of people do love that one. I just, I, I like to read for pleasure. Me like too. I struggle, but I do. And this is not just a, a shameless plug for your book, but um, <laughs> I do wish, I love this book because I felt like, again, I feel like moms, they need to know they have someone like that understands because there's so much pressure on us to be perfect and like, you know, do everything for our children. And this book is, it, it reads like you're sitting with a friend and oh. you're getting advice from a friend. And Thank I love you. about this. So you need to write one for, for teenage parents too. And then Brooklyn gets a little older. Yeah. And I'll start diaring that, diaring that. Okay. So I asked this too. Do you have anything, and this is just off topic, you know, like favorite mascara, favorite, you know, movie, favorite TV series that you're watching. Do you have anything that you're loving right now that you want to share with the audience. Oh, I, I, well, okay. So I'll do a plug for, I love Thrive, uh, Thrive, the company Thrive. It's a female company. Um, they, they donate to, um, like women in different countries and, um, they're, I love their mascara. <laughs> I just bought like a smoky eye. I got an Instagram ad, which I'm going to get one now again, um, because we're talking about it. Okay. So what do you, you use their mascara? Yeah. I, I use their mascara. I use their eyeliner and I love, and I love their like eyeshadow stick. Okay. The three things that I use, but I've had, the, I've gotten their under eye cream. I'm just not as good at keeping up with that kind of stuff, but, but I like their makeup. Oh, natch <laughs> with me. Yeah, exactly. About a mop. <laughs> How about you, Lindy? Do you have anything? Oh, yeah, you can plug your, plug your not mop. <laughs> my mom did I just bought that I love you know okay well okay. she brought it out at a party <laughs> okay well I Lindy this came up for a reason because today I've got I bought like I don't know almost 10 years ago one of those expensive Norwex mops you know oh, yeah, yeah. and I feel like it it doesn't I mean this is like almost 10 years later I'm like I just I feel like it doesn't work okay, and well, one for you. okay t- so now yes this is this is okay two <laughs> Oh wait, I was getting my phone with exact name. It's a Bissell and it has like water and like a solution. I don't know if you have hardwood floors, but I do. Yes. So it's amazing. Let me it's see what I sent it to you here. It is the Bissell Spin Wave Pet Hardwood Floor Spin Mop. 2399 is the number. And I got it on Amazon and it's a hundred bucks and it's amazing. I am a sucker for cleaning products. And yeah. even my husband, us. and he's really picky. He's like, this thing works so well. It has like removable pads on the bottom. You can, yeah. and it spins and you just move the mop. You squirt the water and the solution. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. So it comes with solution, right? Solution, two little bottles of solution. You fill it with water, okay. a little bit of solution and then right. mop away. I'm okay. doing it. Cause it, what happens is the floors get mopped a day later, something spills and I take a paper towel and I'm like, freaking dirty we just like clean these floors i'm not kidding you i should be a spokesperson for this mom you i think you are she would i mean she she brought it up lindy and i are like a sucker for that we go to the flea market and we're like oh the cleaning place the cleaning supplies (laughs) what was the oh my god sham wow oh my god that's hysterical wait i want to go to the flea market with you guys i think that would be fun and i'll just i'll just like put it on social media i'll just follow you guys around and we'll (laughs) Yeah, we'll create, we'll create it, you know, an account. You guys should have like your own account, the two of you, seriously. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe listen. when we retire. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That'd be awesome. All right. So I'm remembering, don't get, don't ask me how I'm remembering, but the mom card drawing of the week. So again, my gut was telling me to do it at the end. Sometimes I do it in the beginning. Sometimes I do it in the end. All right. So 
It's coming from the Be Happy pile, this cute little card. And I'm going to open up the little perforation. I can't read anymore. All right. Remember the feeling as a child when you woke up and morning smiled. It's time you felt like that again. And that's by uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin. I don't know who Jerry Goffin is, but I know who Carol King is. What? Okay. So I'm just going to read it one more time. Remember the feeling as a child when you woke up and morning smiled. It's time you felt like that again. How does that resonate with you? And if the answer is, I don't know, then that's totally fine too. I can start. It actually almost like makes me want to cry a little bit because I just have been struggling a little bit with work and, um, you know, like people do, but like finding something that makes me like for me, that makes me happy, maybe outside of work. Um, and honestly, Spanga did that for me, just like getting my instructor's license, like something new and a push. And I like to be challenged. I like change. And I think I just needed a change, but yeah, just, you know, trying something new and challenging yourself to make yourself smile again. And things are, you know, just kind of you know, status quo, like everything's happening and we're just kind of moving along in life. Yeah. That quote really resonated with me because when I'm feeling that way, I need a change or a challenge. So I really like that one. Well, and if you heard the, um, there's a couple people out there that have referenced this, like going back to who you were as a child, like, um, I forgot who it was, but she carries a picture of herself as a child to like remind herself to like, of that, like who she really is and like what brought her joy, what made her smile, the simple things, because life gets really complicated, like you said, Lindy. And before you know it, 20 years passes and we get into the routines and time yeah. passes. Yeah. You have to do things that bring you joy. Yeah. And it, sometimes that's outside of being a mom and a family, like things that are absolutely smile and bring you joy. Absolutely. For me, it's like, I think like, I, I'm the same way. Like I, I like change. I like challenges. Um, like Lindy and I have both gotten, I've gotten multiple masters and I'm, I mean, I could, my husband always teases me. I could be a forever student. I love going to school. And learning. I think that's amazing by the well, way. <laughs> yeah. I miss it. I'm, he's been told, I've been told I can't go back. Me too. <laughs> I've gone enough, but um, like for me, when I'm feeling like where I'm, I'm needing something, that's where I go, where I need to see my friends that kind of bring me back to my roots. So like my girlfriends from high school, like just going out with them and having dinner with them, like makes me, brings me back to who I really am, you know, cause you do, you get lost in this, like, oh my God, I have to do this for my kids. I have to do that. And we have to keep up with this people and this, and I have to have this. And, and then when I go out with them, it kind of brings me back and reminds me of who I am, who I started out with, um, as before I had kids, before I was married, um, the things I wanted in life. And, and, you know, I do that with my college friends too. And so like, I know like when I'm starting to wake up and I'm feeling like every day is the same that I need, I need to like meet with my people again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like morning smiled. I just, you know, it is, it's going back to that simplicity and like who we are not to be cliche, but beyond moms, you know, I think when we connect with what our joys and passions and what fuels us, it makes us better moms yeah, in, in the sure. long run and better wives and, and friends and, and the whole, the whole thing. It does um, remind me though, like, um, just to warn people who don't have teen moms quite yet, like, or teen kids yet that like teens are not happy or nice in the morning. <laughs> Like they make fun of me because I'm always like morning and, and they get annoyed with me when I say that. I'm like, I'm just trying to be nice. So like I get death glares in the morning and, you know, they perk up after about an hour, but the morning smiles for us. Morning not, smiles are not for children. Okay. Point taken. I get that. I got that the other day and I'm getting it a little bit. Uh, this is not the first time where I'm at, I'm at a school like function Mm -hmm. Um, and I was there last week for something and like, I, I put on my children's author face with these kids, like, Hi. and you know, then I taught, I, I, I'm like, Brooklyn, what would you like to do? You know, like I'm snow white or something. And she's like, mom, you're doing it again. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, you just talk weird. Like, don't talk to us. Like we're five. And I'm like, okay. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what am I like fist bump? I'm like, I don't know. 
Yeah. You got to act, you got to act cool. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Or just don't talk at all. I think. No, yes, probably the best. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you both so much for being on the podcast. I know this is out of your comfort zone and I just think you both are two of the coolest, you know, chicks that I know. And, um, I'm enjoying getting to know you both. And I'm, I, I love doing these and getting to know people on kind of a new level. So thank you for, for giving that to me. And I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. yeah it was thank a blast. you for having yeah, us. Thanks for having us. A lot of fun. It was a blast. Um, All right, moms, we're done with this episode, but I'll see you next week. And until then, take one small step towards your honest motherhood. Thank you so much for listening to the Honest Mom Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review or comment so I can give you the content you deserve. To learn more, including what I offer to moms, check out michellemansfieldauthor.com. Most importantly, If you know a mom that needs to hear the words you heard today, please share the love and let's create a community of moms being honest for all of us.